Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into this special Thursday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Always glad that you are with me on this Masters Thursday. Been watching a little bit of it this morning. Have it on in the background as I'm getting my prep work done for the radio show this afternoon. And man, is it nice to see, even though it's a smaller crowd, to see a sporting event with people in attendance. I don't know. It it just makes, because we had the Masters in the fall, nobody there. I still enjoyed it, but there's just something about it. Seeing the scenes at Swayze, seeing some of the scenes in Major League Baseball, at least that we got uh, in some of the locations anyway, where fans are actually in the stands. And now seeing this at Mas- at the Masters, um, it just feels normal again. And for that, I am very thankful. I'm also thankful that you're part of the show today. Thank you for tuning in. A couple of house cleaning notes. First of all, uh, I will be out of town this weekend. It will be out of pocket. So no weekend recap podcasts, uh, at least on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I will do something when I get back in town. Uh, I will be back on Monday uh, for the radio show. I probably won't be doing a live stream on Monday anyway. So you won't get those this weekend um, or the Sunday radio show if you listen to that. And I will not be on the regular radio show tomorrow. Taking a quick trip down to New Orleans uh, to meet up with my parents and let them spend some time with the little guy. And uh, my stepbrother lives in New Orleans. So we're all just going to kind of mess around and see what we can get into down there. Uh, this weekend. So I will be gone. And uh, those weekend podcasts, though, the quick thoughts after every game thing, those are going to continue. I enjoy doing them. I think it's quick, easy content that you guys like. Uh, So I will keep doing those. But enjoy your weekend. Weekend without me. And um, big, big series this weekend, of course. And then also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and a review. The show is brought to you every day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're going to go spend your weekend at Swayze, get it started at LBs. If you're going to grill out there in the outfields, just grill in general, it's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat or uh, get one of their daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. Stop by. I see Greg tell him that we sent you to LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue. So I haven't talked to you since we got official diagnosis on Tim Elko. And so you've probably heard and read enough about it by now. Uh, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, uh, on, on the injury side of things. Because uh, like I said, you guys have probably seen or heard about it by now. So there's nothing I can say that hasn't really been said already as far as timetable to return They're going to evaluate him in two weeks. It's an ACL tear, but they may try to see if he can play. It's not unprecedented. It has happened before. Um, And that just kind of shows you why he's a team captain. I mean, what a tough kid to even think about that. I could not imagine myself uh, trying to play on a torn ACL. I mean, I have a hard enough time when I'm a little sore to do yard work. So (laughs) I couldn't imagine uh, trying to play baseball on a torn ACL. But that that goes to show you – one, just how tough he is. I mean, just a tough SOB, you know what I mean? Just just a tough kid. And on top of that, uh, why he was the team captain. And that shows you it right there. And, and we did it on the radio show some. I mean, I, I'm going to do it here, talking about lineup tinkering and who replaces him and stuff like that. But when you do that, you kind of forget 
that um, Tim Elko was the guy that did it the right way. He comes to Ole Miss, highly coveted, uh, probably could have played immediately at a lot of places, couldn't do that at Ole Miss. Instead of transferring like some guys are doing now, instead of pouting and you know wondering why he's not playing and trying to go elsewhere and you know just getting playing time and doing all that, uh, he did it the right way. He didn't want a starting job, so instead of doing all of that, pouting, quitting, transferring, whatever, uh, he put his head down and he went to work. And unfortunately, um, he hasn't gotten to reap the benefits of doing it the right way. And it just sucks. I mean, I, mean, I my heart breaks for the guy. It just, it just really sucks. He comes on strong last year, having a great season. COVID cuts it short. Comes back this year. He's the team captain of a team that can win a national championship. They're playing like a team that can win a national championship. He had the best month probably of his life at the plate. Um, I don't know how great of a draft prospect he was going to be, but I imagine the way he was playing was making him more and more money every week. So team captain, national championship caliber team, playing like it. He's playing like it, having a great season, and then ACL tear cuts it short. I I mean... (laughs) That's just awful. I am. I I hurt for him, and he's in a lot more pain than I am right now. I just um, seeing a guy do it the right way and not yet get rewarded. Uh, it just sucks. But he will. His day will come when uh, his patience and his work ethic and his character pays off. That day will come. I just um, it was happening this year, and then to see that potentially get cut short is just a shame. But. Um, He's going to be fine, and uh, he's he's going to be fine. It just just really hurts for this team, and uh, especially considering how he approached his Ole Miss career. Just a shame. But uh, anyway, uh, what they do without him, at least in the midweek, um, Bianco just kind of went with a replacement and kept everything the same. I expect that to be the case this weekend as well. Uh, that's just what I think. I mean, there's so much conversation about lineups and moving guys all over the place. And I think at least for now, you're probably just going to see Kale Baker or, or somebody depending on who's pitching, uh, at first base. And they're just going to move along at least this weekend in that way. Um, that's just what I expect. Makes sense, at least in the short term. But if I were, Bianco, I would strongly consider doing this right. So a variation of this. Um, making Plumley an everyday guy and putting him at center field. Um, he is, I think, their best defender in the outfield. Probably their fastest guy. So I would make him an everyday guy. I think his approach at the plate is good enough, especially, and it's better than what you've seen from Baker and Van Cleve right now anyway. So it's not like you lose production by making him an everyday guy and not having Baker or Van Cleve an everyday guy. You wouldn't lose production at all because those guys weren't producing. So I would put Plumlee as an everyday guy in center field. Either move Graham down to first, who has experience there, although he's not great at it, and McCants over to left, or keep Graham in left, who's done pretty well there, and move Bench to first because he can play literally everything on the field and move Chatney to third or McCants down to third because he's more comfortable in the infield and do it that way. So you'd get better defensively and probably better offensively than just plugging in one of these guys 
to play first base in place of Elko and change nothing else. That's what I would have considered doing. That's what I think they should do. We'll see this weekend. I expect it's just going to be Kale Baker uh, playing first base. Um, that's still a lineup that can win games. It's still a lineup that can win a regional. Hell, it's still a lineup with the way they pitch it can win a super regional. It's entirely possible. Um, I do think expectations should change at least a little bit. Or when the season ends and if it ends in disappointment, that should be an asterisk next to it. You lose your team captain, your best player, a guy that was hitting 400 in the last month, but a 340 hitter, uh, your most productive bat, um, I think you should look at this season differently because of this injury if he's not able to come back. And even if he comes back, I mean, he won't be the same guy. Um, I would look at it differently. That's just me. But if you ask me what I would do in the lineup, that's what I would do in the lineup right there. Is um, I just had a complete loss my train of thought. Uh, Plumley in center. Either Graham down to first or bench over to first and make the necessary adjustments from there. That's uh, that's what I would do. So we'll see this weekend. Big series in Oxford. They got to get to if they want to stay. Not if they want to stay on track, but now that you you've got this insanity where they're awarding regional sites on at the end of April. Uh, this weekend is now a lot more critical than it would have been otherwise. So got to get to this weekend. I think they can. I mean, Arkansas struggled with Auburn last week. And we shall see. Again, no uh, no immediate post-game reaction podcast from me this week. Uh, however, um, big series, one that I think they can win even without Tim Elko. Uh, I know the crowds are going to be great. Hopefully the weather holds off. And uh, looking forward to seeing that this weekend for sure. Um, on the football side, first of all, I'm going to play you uh, Lane Kiffin's post-game, or post-game, post-practice audio. Um, I cut out all the the pauses, so it'll go pretty quick for you. And you got some pretty informative answers as well uh, from Kiffin. He's also asked about the recruiting a nine-year-old to be a fan thing, um, and that's kind of funny. But uh, he does get asked about the player transfer thing, stuff like that. But something that stood out to me, um, he said there's a lot of injuries on the offensive line also, just something to keep an eye on. Nothing major, but uh, just – if you're wanting to go to the spring game, especially, they may have to do it differently if this keeps up. But anyway, that, that's not the most important takeaway to me. Uh, for me, it was hearing them talk about the defense. See if I can – I'll just try to remember off the top of my head. You'll hear it here in a second. Um, but basically, they um, they believe that they are better defensively, that they're – one, they're going to be able to play – uh, better players. I mean, I mean, let's just call it how it is. There, there is more talent on paper on this year's defense than last year. But Lane Kiffin said, and you'll hear it, uh, that they feel like they have a different defense than a year ago. He talks about confidence and attitude. And, of course, there are some guys now that you're actually going to get to see that you didn't get to see before, Jacob Springer being one of them somebody that could not play last year because of transfer rules, um, possibly might play a big role on that defense. So that's obviously a really encouraging sign. I think there's a difference, though. Like where I'm at on this is Kiffin's pretty honest as far as in the press conference setting. He he really tells the truth. So when he says that, I actually believe it. 
because he's not really been a sugarcoater. If the defense had been bad, he would straight up tell you that he doesn't like where they are right now. He doesn't strike me as a coach speaky kind of guy. He's not as open. He's not as engaging in that setting as he is like on the radio with Dan Patrick, but um, he's never struck me as a guy that straight up lies in these press conferences all that often. He kind of seems to tell the truth, but um, on one hand, on paper, this defense should be better. I expect it to be better. On top of the fact that Miles Battle, I think, has the athleticism to become a really good defensive back. Last year, he was still a wide receiver. They were coaching him. Seriously, he was getting coached um, while he was like lined up before the ball was snapped. Like technique stuff. I mean, so he was still really learning the position last year. I think uh, with a true offseason and a spring practice and summer work going into it, being a defensive back is really going to help a guy like him. You get Otis Reese for a full season now, which is uh, a big deal. You have the transfer linebacker from Maryland who should be a plug-and-play guy. That's a different face. Jacob Springer, uh, again, a different face. You recruited very well. Uh, on the defensive line, they're junior college guys. Sometimes it uh, takes – some adjustment, but it's not like it could get any worse on the interior of the defensive line. So new bodies, more talented bodies, year in the system, stuff like that should help. But I remember hearing stuff like this last year. I mean, I remember them saying that the offense couldn't move the ball on last year's defense, and look at what happened. They had the most prolific offense in SEC football history and the second worst defense as far as yards per game in the history of the Southeastern Conference. So um, I'm trying my hardest not to read too much into it. And like I'm kind of arguing against myself, right? On one hand, I think Kiffin's pretty honest. If they were playing poorly in practice, I think that he would have told you and everybody else that they were not performing well in practice. Uh, And there's an element of I've got to – I've got to see it before I can believe that they are better on defense. You know, they just got to prove it. But also, they should be better on defense with new faces, new bodies, more talent, another year in the system, a true offseason. They should be better on that side of the ball. So basically, I'm telling you, I don't know how I feel about this. You should be encouraged by hearing this from your football coach, of course. I mean, the players have all mentioned that there's a new attitude, um, that they have some confidence back. And it helps when you've got better players. That can certainly boost your confidence. But that would be encouraging to hear. Uh, they just got to prove it first. And so it's exciting. They need to be better. I mean, if Ole Miss is any kind of – if their offense resembles anything like what you saw last year, an average defense, like statistically average, wins you 10 games. Last year, if Ole Miss was in the 70 range in defense – It's a Sugar Bowl team. Seriously. Um, So just marginal improvement will make a big difference if they can keep scoring at that level. And you'll hear from Kiffin in a second. I think he's being honest. Uh, They just got to prove it first before I'm just going to sit here and say, yeah, they're going to be great on defense. I think they're going to, but I I can't guarantee it, do you? I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. They're going to be more talented. They should be better, but also I'm not going to promise anybody that they will be. For whatever that's worth to you. So uh, here that audio is right now, by the way. So I'll send that uh, to Kiffin and that will end the podcast. Thank you for tuning in again for this uh, this little quick hitter on a Thursday before I head off on vacation. Uh, little vacation. Uh, Going to go eat a lot of seafood. 
and drank many beers. So hope you guys do the same this weekend also. But here's Lane Kiffin. Uh, this was yesterday after uh, after practice, talking with the media. You'll hear him talk about the defense, offensive line depth, transfer rules, stuff like that. Pretty good stuff here from Kiffin, and uh, that will end today's show. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, subscribe, leave a rating, and a review. Appreciate you guys always being with me, and I'll talk to you again on Monday after what will be, in my prediction, a series win over Arkansas. So here's Kiffin now, and y'all have a great weekend. Hey, Lane, the Grove Bowl was standing. You guys are now kind of at the halfway point of spring practice. Just a general assessment of, uh, you know, questions that you wanted answered going into the spring, how everything is on track. Well, I, I've been pleased with our defense, limiting explosive plays, um, attitude, confidence, um, you know, which is a big key for us. Um, offensively, we have a lot of players out, really all around, especially skills. So that's not helped the quarterback play, obviously. But um, very pleased with a lot of a lot of guys on defense, returners, and new new guys. Um, I feel like for whatever it's worth in practice, we feel like a different defense than a year ago. Any of those new guys in particular that you can talk about that uh, have kind of been maybe out of the package ready a little bit? Well, I think of the of the freshmen, you know, a number of them um, are doing great things. Um, I mean, Taishin has really, you know, like coaches say, kind of doesn't seem like a freshman, which has been great. Um, he's played a number of positions, so um, a lot of those guys are doing a great job. Lane, I, I didn't get to see practice Saturday, but it sounds like the JUCO defensive tackles both played. I was wondering if you could just talk about their progress and what you've seen in them so far. They did well. Um, Isaiah played inside and outside, um, did really well. Jamon did also, but, um, you know, that's, that's been great to see. You know, these evaluations have been tough. Haven't ever met guys, let alone see them play a lot of times, you know, and see them in person. So it's kind of been a wild card, not knowing what's coming in, especially for junior college players, which, you know, you'd like to be recruiting those guys to play right away and not be long-term projects. Last year on the offensive line, you guys didn't sub a whole lot during games. I know a lot of that has to do with uh, the style of offense, but uh, what, what do you think about the depth that's uh, d- developing there right now? Well, we've had a lot of injuries there, you know, so what we do, you know, we haven't for the last couple of days, we have not two spotted, which is hurts our development in other positions, but we just, you know, haven't been able to have two fields. We've only had uh, 10 linemen, I think, today, total scholarship and walk-on. So um, kind of hard to, to, you know, feel good about depth when just don't have any numbers out there. Hey, Coach Kiffin, um, I'm up in Sevierville, where uh, Landon Israel is from. And so I was going to ask you about him. Like, what was your reaction whenever you got the letter from him? Uh, have you ever gotten one of those before? And, like, what went through your mind whenever he realized, you know, this is a little kid, nine-year-old, uh, want to change fans from Tennessee? Well, we get a lot of letters um, over the years and, um, you know, try to respond to, to them in some manner. Um, I just thought his was a little bit different. And so just kind of, you know, just said, all right, this was pretty neat for him to take that much time. You know, let's see if we can do something that the kid will remember the rest of his life. So, you know, instead of just sending something, um, you know, just <clears throat> decided to call him, um, talk to his dad and then set up a call with him. You know, so we could personally talk to him and find him a home for a fan. So 
um, really, really mature kid. Um, you know, think that he'll develop into, you know, a premier fan, five-star fan, and, um, you know, one that they think, you know, <clears throat> wouldn't need the red shirt. You know, I think he's, he'll be ready to go when he gets here. What, so what was your recruiting pitch to Ole Miss, you know, over the Alabamas and Tennessees? And, like, is it cool that they were a couple of the final schools that he was considering giving your ties to Alabamas and Tennessees? Yeah. I mean, just like recruiting, you got to know your opponent and know how invested they are. And I think, you know, some people wrote letters. Some people sent some sunglasses and stuff. But, you know, there's nothing like personal touch. So um, I think, you know, calling him – myself and talking to him I think was a big factor in this and so you know maybe those guys will learn next time kind of feel bad following that um I'm curious you you talked about confidence in your in your program how has that changed um from you know when you first got here and, and maybe maybe from when you guys first started fall camp last August as compared to now in some ways it feels like a first year because of not having spring but um, you know, having some success on the field, uh, you know, as a team and individual players, you know, has made this a lot easier, obviously, um, because they feel like, okay, hey, we know this works if we do it right. So I'm um, going to be in so many games, close games against really good teams, um, you know, I, I think helps out a lot. So uh, there, there's a much different feel, yes. And I'm curious, uh, going into a scrimmage like the one you'll have coming up, the one you had this past Saturday, when you know you don't have a lot of the guys that you're hoping to have offensively in the fall, is the, is there a different approach that you take? Is there certain things that you're trying to get out of it that maybe the the fan in the stands can't really see? No, I mean, we're just still trying to look at whoever's out there and, you know, <clears throat> just doing this a while, you, you, know, you don't get too freaked out about one scrimmage or, you know, last year if you were at scrimmages in fall, you would have never thought we were going to play as poorly on defense and as well on offense. You know, we weren't even moving the ball, um, you know, in some of the scrimmages against down the line guys. So I think that happens a little bit sometimes with tempo. You know, you just until you really get in the game as much as you simulate it, you just don't move the ball quite as well in practice and scrimmage formats. So, you know, we're just trying to get the best out of whoever's out there. Lane, curiosity with the news of last week. Do you do you pay attention to stuff like the NIL case going on at the Supreme Court level? And are you guys bracing or preparing at all as an athletic department for what changes might happen to college football if and when that passes? Yeah, we've been in discussions about that or potential things that we do here um, for the players, um, you know, for I would say a year now. So um, we'll be ready whenever that happens. What kind are some of the discussions you have about? Well, just bringing in different people and so that you have a, a program in place where just not as coaches you're doing it, you know, that, you know, you're able to set these things up and able to manage these. And, and so that the players are getting the most that they can out of the rules. But at the same time, you know, it's not major distractions for them. Yeah, Lane, just curious what you've seen out of true freshman Brandon Buckhalter and uh, how he's fitting in in the, in the wide receivers room and into the rotation this spring. Yeah, he's doing good. You know, th- these kids, it's hard. I remind our coaches, you know, all the time, they're seniors in high school still. And so, um, you know, now they're here playing and going to school and all this stuff. That's why it's important to be a mid-year because it is very distracting, very hard adjustment. So instead of having to do that in the fall, you're getting it done in the spring. So, you know, they go through a lot of growing pains. But he's got a really bright future. 
Hey, Lane, um, I wanted to ask you about the, the one-time transfer uh, exception uh, conversation. The, the NCAA might pass that rule change this spring uh, to one-time transfer exception rule. Um, if the NCAA does pass that, do you think the, the SEC um, should also allow for uh, one-time transfers within the conference, or would you rather see the SEC keep its rule making um, transfers within the conference sit out of here? I think they should be able to. I mean, it's about players' rights and the ability to transfer wire. Now you're going to limit where they can go. So and this is all about, you know, like everybody says, ADs, coaches, everybody else can move. Why can't the players? Um, so now you're going to limit where they can go. And so kid wants to go to a program closer to home or whatever reasons, and he can't. And why would you want to do that from a conference standpoint? If you got good players, you know, you're in the best conference in – in America by far, it's not even close. So why would you want players to transfer and not be able to stay within conference, make your conference better, but be able to go make other conferences better? I don't, I would not understand that. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.